You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Well, good evening. Recording on a Friday night, quite unusual, um, but, you know, differences in our schedule, and I'm happy, actually, that this coincidentally kind of is a is a hotter night for our guest, uh, the newly deleted Dr. Brad Campbell. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a surprise. It's been a whirlwind of a day, to say the least, but also very, very uh, exciting. <laughs> Now, I think it's a, it's a, you know, the video you shared with me after um, you, I like reached out to you because I was like, oh my God, you're deleted. And thank God we had other means of contacting each other besides your main and now deleted account. But um, you were celebrating this deletion. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, wow, they actually like, like me enough to delete me. And I know there's other accounts that have been blocked or shadow banned or whatever, but I just recently joined the Health Freedom for Humanity nonprofit and was kind of like pushing that narrative and sort of was openly being like, you know, I think the role of me as a human and just for humanity is more important than my role as a doctor. And if that didn't do well. And what really like flagged my account was just saying there was something where I was really just like uncensoring myself. And I think I said that, you know, the media and the pharmaceutical companies just profiting off of people's ignorance. And that's what was like the big red flag that I mean, really got me. You know, fact check, uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Right. I mean, a lot of people make money off of ignorance all the time. It's like whether you know you can get your t-shirt for $5 instead of $500. Like there's always some level of that kind of taking advantage of our emotions or not willing to investigate or look for better options. So I think sometimes when you educate yourself, like people are listening right now, they just learn there might be a better path or a better way forward. Yeah. Now, so I but, found yeah. you, I guess, I guess I found, so I found you um, a few weeks ago. I kind of don't know how I stumbled upon your account, but probably just mutual friends. And, you know, I, I generally try to, like and follow who I think is saying something interesting, saying something important. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something I agree wholeheartedly with, but, um, you know, generally like I, you know, life's short, so I, I'm not going to just punish myself. So I ended up coming across your account. I started listening to your videos and really like what you had to say. Uh, and I think, um, when I reached out, it was probably just like, you're like a wave of content of yours, like that was specifically promoting the radical concept of medical freedom. Yeah. <laughs> radical. Yeah. Like, look, look out guys. Like, informed consent, my body, my choice. It's very radical these days. I mean, it's, it's crazy what ha what's happened this past year. That's yes. exactly what I've been thinking. Cause, um, I'm a nurse, so I remember part of going to school, we had to watch like all these videos about the Tuskegee experiment and about informed consent, how important it is. And, you know, you need to make sure that your that your uh, subjects know that what study they're being 
um, what part of the study they're they're in and what they're being what's being studied and all that stuff. And I just don't feel like that's what's happening right now with this any of these vaccines really. Yeah, it's all like it's honestly all over the place. I feel like we're in the wild west and everyone's kind of like trying to do the best they can with what they have or what they know, but it's it's confusing who's advising the people in charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, um, you yeah. ask anybody who's had a vaccine what their vaccine is and what it's supposed to do, and none of the people who've already got the shot can tell you anything. I've noticed that. And that to me is terrifying. <laughs> or it's the, it's a cookie cutter response that you know is exactly what was handed to them. Yeah. Which is also scary. Yeah, yeah it's kind of like a major red flag, I guess, that people aren't educating themselves because they don't realize that they're kind of an experiment, even though it's kind of almost going to soon be the majority of our country who are participating in an experiment. It is still an experiment in which the long-term trials have sort of been canceled because they unblinded the study by giving all of the placebo people That's the treatment That's a huge option. red flag. Huge yeah. red flag. That's yeah. something that a lot of people don't know. No, people have no idea what that even means. Yeah, so they don't. Actually, maybe... Doctor, would you explain that? <laughs> we just got out of mansplain, yes. Mark. I won't. <laughs> but, so we're doing a little bit more mansplaining, guys. But um, you know, this is important, and is something that you know everybody really should know. This. No, they should. I mean, the trials were supposed to be almost three years till twenty twenty three, and they still are not really finished till 2023. And a lot of the data that we were supposed to get to make an informed decision was not given out. So there wasn't a full lack of, there wasn't full transparency, but mm-hmm. there's normally a, can we use the V word on the show? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So the vaccinated group and the placebo <laughs> group, the placebo group in, is often given another vaccine, but in this, in these trials, it was actually done better. And the, placebo group was a saline injection, just salt water. So that's actually better than most vaccine trials. And they almost all had over 40,000 participants, like 20 plus thousand of people who got the vaccine and 20,000 plus who got the placebo. But in each trial, after about three months, they kind of said, you know, or somewhere between three to six months, they basically said, you know what? Um, It's looking so good. They're the data looks so good, even though we don't have any long-term like effects yet or long-term results, that it would be unethical to not give the vaccine to the placebo group. Because mm-hmm. it's such a dangerous virus and everybody's got the same risk. And so thus, all those perfect, pristine test subjects who did not get the, <laughs> the actual like formulated shot, they got the placebo um, they had to get it, you know, it was for their, for their good and for everybody else's good. Right. I mean, they could have done something partially and they could have even done a partial thing. They could have given them the blood infusion of monoclonal antibody therapy, but they didn't. They decided to just give them completely mm-hmm. kind of ruin the study in a way and stop it and two and a half years early, unfortunately. So it kind of spoiled the data for everybody, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the things that happened. And there's Over just like subtle things. <laughs> yeah, because most people have a busy life and they're stressed out in the last this year and they don't have time to really read the trial data or have a medical education that's 
um, big enough to actually know what any of that medical jargon means. It's almost like mm-hmm. made so specifically in the, to, into the medical world that only a select number of people can even decipher what the trials mean and know how to look up evidence in medical trials to know what's good or bad or see that the Pfizer study paid off three of the four trial data people um, where the Moderna one didn't pay off their data analysts. So the data didn't look as good in the Moderna um, results. So like they don't really have the knowledge to look through with a fine tooth comb to see what's going on. And the people who do know can look through and see what's going on, who actually have the kind of background in educational training to do that are usually so bought into the system that they're not questioning what they're reading anyways. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if, if they trust where the information's coming from that they're told, then why, why waste any time or effort to go looking for it? I mean, you know, I've said um, throughout this past year, I work with a lot of people that are doctors and, you know, these scientists and the, the experts, I work with the experts and they all bow down to the CDC when really like what we do for our work is go head to head with the CDC's science or the CDC's quote unquote science because you know regulatory science and actual science are generally two different things but you know it's there it's we've stopped functioning like there's there's been a huge block um the blinders have been up and it's been quite a thing to observe and so you know we jesse and i both have kind of been sitting watching this unfold the whole year wondering what the hell is going on because as she said she's a nurse so and i'll let her speak obviously but you know and then i kind of want to hear like what you are experiencing and what you're like april 2020 sort of was like as information kind of started becoming available, but it was still technically not a ton. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in like a coming of age as a emotional development as a nation. We're kind of in the coming of age story, which is like <laughs> when you go off to college and realize that your everything your parents did was wrong. Like mm-hmm. we're realizing that their parents, which is like our government or the CDC or the World Health Organization, the people who are in charge, they're supposed to know everything. Yeah, don't really know right. everything. Uh-uh. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of like where we're at. And we're kind of needing to go to therapy as a world. And we're not quite ready to go yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I'm saying like, I'm saying two things. I'm saying like a doubling down of this worship and belief in the CDC and the World Health Organization and Dr. Fauci, you know, and then, you know, there's people like us who are, realizing more so than ever that these organizations, these, these people that have been propped up, they aren't the experts that we thought they were or that we were told they were. So I feel like it's a, a big split. Cause I mean, you have these people who are think who think that Dr. Fauci is, you know, a God, yeah, a God, a God <laughs> a and hero. Brad Pitt. Like, Didn't he like, get person of the year, like time person yes. of the year? I think after so. lying to everybody's face, like admittedly lying three times to everybody's face about at least, yeah, yeah, he said we could have herd immunity at fifty percent, which has never been true. It's always like almost eighty-five to ninety percent. And then he admitted that he lied because he didn't think people could handle the truth. He also lied about the masks. He also lied about taking vitamin D, C, zinc, and other things all year and not recommending it to people. So there's like been three that he's even admitted to like on the air 
yeah. and people are still like worshiping. I mean, but we're kind of used to having bad parents. We're used to politicians lying to us. So I mm-hmm. guess it's nothing new. But if we have a higher level of respect for ourselves and our morals, it might make sense that we would try to have that level of respect from our parents too. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <a, laughs> That's a generous thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually I try to give the benefit of the doubt if when I can, yeah. you know, I'm like, I try to think these people in my head, it helps me sleep at night knowing that there's an, a possibility that they're not just like evil or malintended and they're really just misinformed or really do think that they're helping people. They're just, they have the wrong advisors whispering in their ears or people who just don't have like the big picture perspective of the immune system or the ecosystem and the microbiome and the microvirome and all that stuff it does get infuriating for a while (laughs) oh yeah no it's good it's good to you know try to consume white pills and you know see the silver lining and not just take the black pill and you know or the fire pill where we say like let's just burn it all down you know it's tempting um but you're right you know the vast majority of people that kind of aren't really seeing things the way we happened to have realized them um, after seeing and observing and uh, living in the real world here. Um, and you, you know, treating actual COVID patients for a year plus. Um, you know, a lot of people just don't know any better. And they're statistically like in this category that's just people that are there to be not there to be swayed, but they happen to be the people that are going to be swayed. And then there's a small, smaller minority of people that know that that larger herd can quite easily actually be swayed and manipulated and told what to think. So I know I try to keep it in my heart that like (laughs) my friends and family and people who have completely bought into this, you know, people I work with, people I work for, you know, I know they don't mean harm. Yep. And, 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 you know, as doctors, you know, it's supposed to be rule number one is what do no harm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's <laughs> kind of impossible with the vaccines because there's inherently risk. I mean, almost any medical intervention has risk. If some just, it's more risks and less benefits or there's less risk and more benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to sort of get people to acknowledge that because everyone wants to be very binary these days. It's always this like you're either Republican or you're not, or you're either pro-Trump or you're not, or you're either pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. Really, there's like this huge, complex, nuanced discussion that has to happen in the world of gray. And that's why I really started speaking out in uh, end of December and early January was because like I was tired of people sort of being too polarizing and too binary about the whole thing. And um it's hard to get people to sort of come out of that, but the best way I do it is with questions. Mm-hmm. And I just met with one of my chiropractic doctor friends and they were saying the way they do it is they ask people like, why are you getting the vaccine? Or what do you believe about COVID and sort of like, listen, and then depending on what they say, it opens up a window of opportunity to sort of educate on if that may or may not be true and give them some like hard data or resources or places to go learn. You know, like even the CDC says that you could still catch COVID or spread COVID after getting a vaccine mm-hmm. because most people don't even know that they yeah. know that the general advice is if you get the vaccine, you might still need to wear a mask or you might still need to distance or be careful. But 
they don't really like connect the dots because a lot of people go, well, if I could still catch COVID, if I could still spread COVID, if it might lower my symptoms, but I could have a reaction. We don't know what the long-term studies are. It's like, well, then why would I get the shot in the first place? You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All important things to weigh. <laughs> and well, really, like it, what about the variants? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go for it, Jess. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the the idea that everybody, well, when it comes to any vaccine, really, you're taking a risk. It's not just this new one. And not everybody needs to take a vaccine. And it used to be that doctors would tell their patients, like, if you have these, you know, if you have these allergies or you've had anybody in your family's had Guillain-Barre syndrome or anything like that, if you're pregnant even, like, maybe you should wait before you get a vaccine or not get one at all. And now I'm watching people, you know, talk to me about their doctor talking them into getting a vaccine and they have seizure disorders, whereas they were told not to get vaccines before. And now this new vaccine somehow is safe, <laughs> safer than these other and, and so vaccines important. before. Like, yeah. so it, you know, and, and no matter what that reaction is, it's better than getting COVID. And I am curious what you think about doctors <laughs> saying that really, yeah. you know? Um, I think they're just completely blinded or misinformed because they're not seeing that one of the primary four vaccines, the AstraZeneca shot got pulled off the market after 200 reported deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a difference between like reported and confirmed. And a lot of these are not, some of them are being investigated, but people like to say, we investigate every single one of those vaccine adverse event reporting systems, the VAERS, yeah. but that doesn't actually happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah. by investigating this, like read their report, they're not actually like doing autopsies on everybody or medically investigating it. But even after 200, they pulled one of the shots off the market, but there's been over a thousand for some of the other shots reported and they are still not really investigating it. It seems like it's like one in 50,000 people are supposedly, whether it's correlation or causation, dying after these shots. And that's kind of a major red flag, you would think, because um, traditionally most vaccines have like a adverse event where it's usually, I believe, somewhere between like 2,000 to 10,000 people will have a major reaction like Guillain-Barre seizures, that type of stuff, an autoimmune or like a myelitis or an encephalopathy or something pretty severe that could be ruin your life forever. Um, But Mm -hmm. this seems to be potentially worse and we don't really know how many are really happening because traditionally people will claim only 1% get reported to the adverse event reporting Mm -hmm. system. But in times like this where people do have a little bit more awareness that it could be reaction to these shots because they are new and people were kind of cautious of Trump, they were cautious of Biden depending on their political party Mm -hmm. and they knew it was kind of warp speeded. They think it's mm-hmm. probably between like 10 to 20% were reported. So the long-term answer is just like, we have no idea. And when you, I've gotten into some discussions with doctors on this who are very pro vaccine, they're pushing the narrative. They're like getting paid sometimes to push the narrative Ooh. and they have either no idea about it at all. And they just like kind of gaslight anybody who brings it up or they just like think that it's complete nonsense and just like a hoax and people are just reporting it, but it's actually a, legal crime like you can go to jail for reporting something that's not true to VAERS and people don't realize that there is like a severity of lying to the reporting system and I get messages every day 
dozens of people saying what the reactions are happening, but they either don't know how to report it because it's kind of confusing, or yeah. it's a nurse or a doctor who's not allowed to report it because their supervisors have told them if they report it, they might lose their jobs. So mm -hmm. it's this weird like duality of some people want to report it, but can't. People don't know how to report it. They don't even know that thing exists. Mm -hmm. It's all very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. The part but, you mentioned about, and I, you're not the first person, I, I've seen it um, captured elsewhere in the interwebs and um, in this movement that, you know, these doctors, nurses um, are being discouraged and or even like penalized if they're reporting or recording um, this potential connection. And really like, it's supposed to be science, right? These are supposed to be observations. It's supposed to be part of the data collection. It's supposed to be part of the process. And it's scary if um, you can actually see the signs and evidence of like actual pieces of it being removed, cherry picked out, just down the memory hole. This won't get, shh, don't tell anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the main reasons my account was deleted recently was because I was actually doing research on these reactions, which you or others may not even know about, but I put up three videos and two of them deleted. Um, not right away, but once they went viral, they got deleted. And it was basically a coincidence. Like I do a lot of blood work. I'm a chiropractic internist and acupuncturist, and I also finished degrees in um, nutrition, neurology, internal medicine, applied kinesiology, and homeopathy. And um, so I do a lot of different holistic modalities, but on every patient, I do blood work. Most of my patients, I see like a primary care physician, like about two to three times a year. And I do a lot of functional medicine blood work, which means I'm looking at inflammatory and immune markers and cardiovascular plaque risk markers. And so mm -hmm. I look at this really extensive, like 20 page report on every patient. And this one patient just happened to get her vaccine. She was like 52 years old, just happened to get her vaccine one week beforehand. And she was one of those people who was the 16% of women who get the lymphatic swelling in their armpit mm -hmm. after the shot. Yeah. So the mRNA ones in the trials, only 0.2% of all the women got the lymphatic swelling, but they're recommending women don't get mammograms within one month after the shot because it could look like cancer um, on the mammograms. So creepy. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a patient who was like 52, female. She got a vaccine and she didn't tell you that she had the vaccine yet. So you did another blood work on her and normally her blood work looked healthy and good, but you started seeing a lot of inflammatory type um, markings and stuff in her blood work this time. And I don't know if this got recorded, but you said something was 28 times more yeah. the liver and was it the liver enzymes or her HSCRP, which is usually below okay. one was like 28 or 0.2. It was okay, way so, too high. Yeah. So, I mean, her blood work looked horrible, basically, is what you're saying. Doctor, yes. but doesn't that mean it's working? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, veterinarians <laughs> and most doctors know, like, there shouldn't be extreme responses. There should be maybe a little soreness, a little swelling, but not like your whole axillary lymph nodes getting activated. It means if it is working, it's working way too much. It's kind of overworking, like if anything. Hyperdrive, um, warp speed, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So any other patients that were kind of similar to hers that you noticed, like blood work wise? Yeah, we've had almost 10 now, but now most of my patients are watching my stuff and not wanting to get the shot if they can help it, or they don't want to do the blood work because they don't want to know that it uh. could negatively impact them, you know, later in life. Like if they form a 
early clot now that could break off and kill them later. Like they just don't want to know. But other doctors are basically finding the exact same thing, but no one's sort of being listened to because that would mean literally a loss of millions or billions of dollars in pharmaceutical industry money. And the people, even like there is this doctor on Twitter, because I have a nurse practitioner in my office who does health coaching and Reiki, and she's kind of, her husband is very into the Western traditional model. He's a PhD in public health, and he even has a nonprofit helping hospitals get their PPE mm. for COVID. And so he understands that like the VARES and things do happen. He thinks it's like not a big deal, but he was following um, just to like educate himself, following some MDs, PhDs as well, who were kind of like on the more conservative vaccine side and vaccine literate side. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was one who was advising the CDC and the FDA on more of a conservative perspective, was putting that perspective at his research on Twitter. And he got completely deleted a few days before I did, basically mm -hmm. for saying that we don't need to vaccinate children who are not even at risk of dying or term consequences. And that just was like a no-go because there's obviously tens of millions, almost probably like 50, 80 million children in our country. And that's a lot of money to be lost, I think. So he got completely blocked off Twitter just for suggesting that children don't really need to get the vaccine. And I think in Tennessee, they're trying to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine rolled out for kids uh, 12 and up, I think. So yeah, <laughs> kind of scary. And that they're not even <sighs> testing to see if people have natural immunity because like the World Health Organization took the definition of natural immunity off of its herd immunity page. Yep. So herd immunity used to come from either having antibodies naturally against an infection and t-cell defense that might last a lifetime like when you get chicken pox or the mumps protection forever you can't catch it again because your mm -hmm. immune system is innately intelligent and can remember that so you never have to go through it again which is a major blessing because um, mm -hmm. it's like if you go through it once you really don't want to go through it again and luckily your body keeps you from doing that because it learns to adapt to the infection usually or the virus and incorporates the lesson the growth the like system update or download from the virus and then you don't have to go through it again and that helps you be part of the herd because you can't catch it or spread it anymore but the world health organization took the herd immunity definition which said either a vaccinated individual that has high antibody titers or a natural immunity individual contribute to the herd immunity that can't spread certain infections and they took away this year the natural mm -hmm. immunity aspect mm -hmm. from their definition. And there was, even in the conventional medical model, there was so much backlash publicly and on all social media platforms that they actually did end up changing it back a week and a half later. But it took millions of people saying, this is not okay. Like this makes no medical logical sense. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those examples that you can go back and look at where the CDC and the WHO just like changed their mind and they're, I don't know where they're getting their science, but I've been saying logic is fast, science is slow, because it takes us years and decades to do peer-reviewed studies and just find scientific consensus about new infections. And um, there's just been a lot logically that has been confusing where they've gone back and forth on, do this, no, don't, now do it, no, don't. Yeah. It works. Mm -hmm. No, it might not work. And so people get in this weird, like nauseating feeling of, do they really know what they're doing? It's kind of like, well, I think doctors do know what they're doing, but rather than think for themselves, 
we're almost trained to just accept what we're told in medical school. And it's hard to sort of think for yourself, but there are many doctors who are speaking out, questioning it. There's thousands and thousands of doctors kind of talking out about the illogic of some of the, the re- overreaction we've had. It's not that COVID is like a nothing disease, but mm-hmm. I think there's been some medical gaslighting, which is basically like telling people that their experience is invalid. There's people who are ignoring the suffering because there is in times of great suffering in history, even like mm-hmm. 9-11, people tend to say like, well, 9-11 was fake. It never happened. Even the people in New York City who were actually there saw the towers fall, saw people die. Their brain can't process the suffering and the trauma. So they just kind of black out. Yeah. It's kind of like children who are abused. Sometimes they like block it out until they're older and can have space to process it. We've had so much collective trauma this year that there's people who are either ignoring the suffering of the vaccine injured people But there's Mm -hmm. also people who are ignoring the fact that COVID is a real virus or does kill people. It's not the only thing that kills people. Not most people who do get COVID either don't get sick or um, they don't die. They recover from it. So I think it's just one of those things of like, it's very hard to get all the suffering that's going on on all sides of the spectrum and see that the way we've overreacted with lockdowns has potentially been worse than the actual problem itself. When they say like when the cure is worse than the diagnosis, you know that there's mm-hmm. a problem. And that's kind of the, the big picture perspective is people don't realize that there's been 270 million people. Like if I were to tell you that COVID killed 270 million people in America, you'd be like, oh my God, that's like the entire country. Like yeah. that's devastating. <laughs> my, my town is gone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's 270 million people have gone hungry this year and and or died because and it's not in the first world countries it's the third world countries that are being affected so like the the lockdowns have caused hunger and poverty and stuff for almost like a billion people around the world but 270 million going hungry so it's sort of like yes the virus is bad but the way we responded has made it about a hundred times worse yep yes and is um from what I've read, you know, contrary to what was advised for decades by the very same experts a lot of the times, you know, like um, it's really just been upended. And has been upended. Sorry, I feel yeah. like that's pretty negative, but I feel like it's important <laughs> to get the it's picture true, though. No, out. it's true, though. And um, I think when you when you frame it like that and acknowledge that I think we're all experiencing different things this year. And it, it, I think it, it's all some level of suffering or not, like whether, you know, some of my suffering might be the fact that due to these hospital policies, um, my aunt was only prescribed one solution to her apparently COVID positive test, despite other things actually being wrong with her. And um, despite having lupus, and maybe one kidney uh, functioning, you know, they thought remdesivir had to been had to have been the only answer, you know, as a hospital, their policy was you couldn't try hydroxychloroquine, even though as a lupus patient, I'm pretty sure, you know, that is a that's a that's a normal prescription. And I remember even like at the very beginning of this thing, like when the HCQ craze was going on, um, you know, how dare Trump say something about this? Like, obviously, it's bad. Um, and so, you know, people were worried about, uh, and maybe it was like another Fauci lie or like just a Fauci style lie 
where it was, um, you know, they didn't want to make the craze and the rush and the demand for hydroxychloroquine um, so great that it would actually diminish the stock supplies for lupus patients. So I think Correct. these people, um, you know, killed my aunt um, and Sorry. let her die alone um, because again of these hospital policies when it's like one size fits all apparently, but we've, we like, you know, Jesse and I are politically um, homeless. Uh, you mentioned before, like people are stuck in this binary thinking and it's like, we kind of had to had our falling out with that while ago. And so yeah. <laughs> that's part of what we do here on this podcast. Like we're, we're here for the politically homeless because, you know, we think ideas matter more than political parties and, um, you know, people obviously definitely do too. And so it, it kind of um, gave us, I'd say, a unique perspective since we had already broken out of one of the most, um, I'd say, damaging binary um, thought processes, which is the political system we all live in here. Uh, it gave us a unique opportunity to see what the heck was going on, and um, but that it literally did. I, I, you could probably um, comment on it too, and I think you already did, just it resulted in the same sort of binary thinking, like very predictable programming, like almost almost to a T, like you could say, based on who you voted for, this was your opinion on COVID. There were exceptions and it, there were like a lot of people surprised me this year, but. um, That is very damaging though, because. Very damaging. I've heard people say that um, if you like, I've just heard people say that people who voted for Trump, they're probably not getting vaccinated. They're probably not wearing a mask. They're probably not doing anything. But I know so many people that did. Same. They still got, they still got scared. They still fell for all the, you know, all the propaganda. So it doesn't, it, it's just damaging to kind of have that us versus them mentality, I think. Yeah. I agree so much. Um, I think <laughs> we've sort of been, when people, yeah, I'm really sorry about your aunt. That's really hard to hear. And that's, I hear it all the time and it's part of why I'm talking more about this is just the absurdity of how we've actually managed COVID and as doctors and professionals and as individuals trying to support it. And the thing is can sort of prevent the spread of a virus. If you do communistic style lockdowns like China did and like Australia, and New Zealand have done, they've done actually done a pretty good job of preventing it. But America had COVID in December or November, and it had reached a tipping point of basically unstoppable, like it's so spreadable and generally so benign because 80% of people, somewhere between 65 to 80% of people get either mild or no symptoms from COVID. So it's, it's particularly hard to stop when you know most of the people don't know they even have it or like it's like a flu for the majority of people. It's like a flu or a cold or nothing. They don't even notice it. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. extra hard to stop. And once it reach the, reaches that tipping point, there's pretty much no stopping us from getting either a herd immunity or vaccinating everybody and getting the herd immunity that way. But I think people don't realize that it was like two weeks to slow the spread. And then it was a month and then it was two months and then it was six months. And now it was nine months and it was a whole year. And now it's going to be like five and years or a decade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two masks, now three masks. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of <laughs> keeps going on and on rather than accepting the reality of the suffering, which is that viruses, once they reach a tipping point, they, basically burn through all the material, all the timber they have, all uh -huh. the kindling just half burn and either you're healthy enough to not get the virus when you're exposed or you're in the 80% who will get the virus and 
luckily 99.8% of us will survive. Some will have long-term health consequences, which is extremely unfortunate, but the problem is sort of like there's this inevitability that you're either going to get COVID or since COVID is now becoming endemic, partially because of the vaccines, um, we're going, if you're getting a vaccine, you're just sort of delaying the inevitable getting COVID from the mutations or the new variants. So mm-hmm. we just, most mutations and variants are not nearly as deadly. They're usually more contagious. So again, it's the virus sort of evolving around barriers of vaccines and masks and distancing and lockdowns to basically fulfill its purpose, which mm-hmm. people don't, that's the best way I have. If anyone who's listening, who's still like, not quite sure, <laughs> they're probably not listening at this point if they're not, if they were like really bought into the narrative. But I feel like for people who are listening, who want to wake up one of their friends the best yeah. advice I have is to ask them, like, do you know why viruses exist? Do you know what the purpose of a virus is? Like, in the ecosystem, why are viruses there? And it's, that actually is, like, not usually known because a lot of medicine doesn't look at the positive aspects of how bacteria and viruses benefit and nurture mm-hmm. the whole ecosystem. But it's very complicated, and they're not all bad. Actually, for the most part, they're very good for our ecosystem and they're there for a reason because nature doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And um, the biggest, I guess, like the truth, the short story is that viruses help our DNA to upgrade. 8% of our DNA is viral and 52% has been modified by viruses. So Mm -hmm. if they were bad for us, we would be dead. So a fight against viruses is a fight against life. And if you were to get rid of all viruses, some people are like, I just want to hand sanitize the way the world so that like viruses just go away and we don't have to worry about this forever. I'm like, that's not a good idea because mm, yeah. <laughs> we would literally die. The majority of the oxygen on earth doesn't even come from trees. Spoiler alert, it comes from the ocean and it comes from algae and plankton creating yeah. oxygen in the ocean and viruses in the ocean basically kill, they're called bacteriophages, which kill bacteria. So they're viruses that kill bacterial growth in the ocean every day. So Mm -hmm. they limit 50% of the growth of bacteria in the ocean, which allows the nutrients to go to the algae and the plankton that then create the oxygen. So if we had no viruses, we would have no oxygen. Kind of like what's happening with COVID. It's like your oxygen saturation starts going down and we're trying to like fight. It's again, it's like this binary thing of like, let's kill it, let's end it let's get it out of our bodies. But once you have a virus, you have it forever. So rather than fight, it's kind of like you got a bad child in your classroom. Rather than just like kill the child, maybe you should try to adapt to the child and teach them how not to be a bad child. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a good way to look like, at well, it. like, well, where did, yeah, they're like, where did the flu go? What the heck? Why is the flu just like gone all of a sudden? It's like, well, the flu was the biggest bully, but now we have COVID-19, which is like the next biggest bully. And until we learn how to adapt and, get that bully to go to therapy and relax a little bit and love himself. We're just going to deal with that bully until we've learned to adapt to that bully. And then the flu will come back again and be the next biggest bully. We have to take the therapy and they're all meant to help us learn, adapt, evolve, grow, change, upgrade. But we're, we're viewing viruses as this like really malignant, horrible thing. And there are some viruses that are really bad, like Ebola and some hepatitis things like those are bad. But those are like the one in a million that's really, really awful. It's kind of like you might have one 12-year-old that's a serial killer in the whole country. But mm-hmm. for the most part, <laughs> all your other 12-year-olds are really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like, you know, those extremely bad ones are fairly um, 
preventable and or you know there are ways to not get certain types of hepatitis there are ways to not get hiv if we're including that um ebola i mean dear god that scared me when that was you know potentially a scare but i think that was also a little bit overblown apparently um which i wouldn't be surprised about because never let a good crisis go to waste as we've seen (laughs) time and time again um but so that's another that like i'll I'll use the word that triggers me in another way that like um i think you already kind of alluded to it but when you said that it reaches a tipping point where um it becomes endemic it's like so people want to say that okay so now there's like over 500,000 quote unquote covid deaths in this country since they started tallying um in their kind of weird shady tally way but you know (laughs) and 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 people like to say again like very binary thinking like those 500 plus 100,000 plus deaths were preventable they were all preventable and it's like well, like maybe there's a couple layers there. Like what kind of questions can we ask? Like, you know, the vast majority of those people had more than one comorbidity and a lot of those comorbidities happen to be preventable, like mm-hmm. obesity. obesity. <laughs> um, yeah. But the preventable, they want it to, they call it preventable because they want to fall back on blaming somebody for not wearing a mask or now it's perfect. They've already been um, set up with this dialectic that they are blaming the people that, that um, are not getting vaccinated, any of the vaccine hesitant people, which, you know, I, I think there's plenty of reason to not just line up, roll up your sleeve and sure, I'll take whatever you got, doc. Yes, I agree. I mean, history has shown us like Tuskegee where they were intentionally giving African-American communities syphilis, that then there are multiple other times when African-American communities were basically used as test rats for really dangerous things, kind of like, you know, Nazis or Russians using Jewish patients or their lower income population as test experiments, mm-hmm. forcing people to be medical dummies against their will. Um, or not even telling them like there's even like fluoride in the water. If you want to get into that, we're all somewhat medical dummies. So like, there's a lot of experience where it's like doctors told people to smoke cigarettes for years. There's been um, all sorts of like, you could say DDT, thalidomide. There's dozens of past experiences in history where you can't always trust the medical system or your government. And you have to use your logical brain to be like, maybe we shouldn't inject toxins or maybe we shouldn't inject everybody with toxins at one time so we have a control between what's actually happening or not and i do think there were more people dying than usual but like you said with the covid deaths the numbers and the tallying and the pcr tests were way off until right after the election when they actually Mm -hmm. said to use the right number of reproduction cycles on the pcr test that's weird how that happened (laughs) it's super weird how it happened maybe we should like Make the test accurate now so there's not a lot of false positives so we don't get a hyperinflation of cases that freak everybody out because that's all they're focusing on every day. Um, but when you look at like overall death mortality, there's not a lot to go off of. Everything that's out there is when you Google it or look it up or look on DuckDuckGo or medical journals, they basically haven't tallied the full excess mortality yet. Mm-hmm. And they'll talk about excess COVID deaths, but they're not talking about like how many people actually died in 2020 versus the years before. But the best thing I can find is from cebm.net, which is the center for evidence-based medicine.net. 
And they're basically saying some countries actually had less death, like Iceland had 4% less, Denmark had 4% less. But a lot of the countries where COVID was spreading, looks like it's somewhere between 4 to 12% excess death than usual, which sounds really bad. Um, but in actuality, we were expecting about an 8% increase this year because the past three years were actually lower in death percentage mm -hmm. than normal. So it's, people don't realize that 1% of the world dies every year normally. And that's actually good. You need some of your plants in your yard to kind of die so they can make space for new growth and new life. So we normally get 3.2 million Americans who die. And we had an extra about 12%. Somewhere, I've seen both actually, somewhere between 10 to 12% excess death, but we were expecting 8%. So if you go like, well, we should have had 1% of the entire world that died, and we thought we were going to have 1.08 or 1.09%, we actually had 1.12%. When you like look at that big picture perspective, it doesn't really sound as bad. But when you look at like, wow, every single person matters and 300,000 extra died, then that sounds really bad. So it's just kind of, it's about how you skew the statistics and how you display the narrative of mm -hmm. how you emotionally attach to the numbers and the data it really affects how people perceive things, which is what the media has known for kids. And actually people posted this early on, but Bill Gates had a book reading list a couple years back. And the number <laughs> yeah. one, his, Bill Gates's favorite book was How to Lie with Statistics. And I feel like that's yep. what's been happening is there's been all these like lies or misinterpretation of the data to mm -hmm. take away from the true like big picture perspective. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I was like, glad you went, you finished that thought there. Cause that's exactly where I was like, what was the name of that book on top of Bill Gates's pile? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On his Christmas list for every American. But if everyone American knew that they would really question statistics a lot more yeah um, in fact maybe I mean, everybody should read that book just so they know I, I, what's I know. being used against them especially because it looked really small like that looked manageable like i could handle that <laughs> it'll be it like did. a morning coffee get it done in like a week or two you know all right yep. so i've convinced I mean, myself <laughs> i was going through even like i was going through youtube and stuff and they suggest to me like the mainstream media headlines of the day and there was one yesterday talking about how one in three patients with COVID will experience neuropsychiatric disease. Oh, like yeah, I heard that. More yeah. than usual. And people go like, well, what about like long-term effects of this? And when you actually look at the, the data in the Lancet study that they were referencing, it was really like one in three of the most ill, like severe COVID patients will have some sort of either like slightly higher anxiety or higher... Um, any type of like neuro or psychiatric, not, yeah. I mean, the fact of like going through the hospital system alone could cause depression or anxiety. <laughs> and yeah. Wouldn't that be true of like a cancer patient as well? I mean, yeah. 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 Just even like it, cutting your thumb off and going to the hospital, you'd have that too. So <laughs> yeah, like there's a lot of things that would be, could cause that. And um, it was just sort of, uh, again, it was kind of skewing the statistics for a narrative, not mm -hmm. really like looking at the true effect and long-term effect that COVID does have, which it does have long hauler issues. There are neurologic inflammatory reactions that happen to it, but they were kind of hyperinflating the statistics to mm -hmm. make better headline. Mm -hmm. um, actually, you're a good person for me to ask about this because like I keep hearing the, the long haul um, COVID 
effects. And I've been wondering, you know, cause so for a lot of people, um, people in my circles and sphere, anybody that I know has, who has tested positive, basically you test positive, they send you home and say, good luck, you know? And it's, and it's like, they don't tell you to take anything. Like they don't give you anything. There's no prescription. My brother, his sister, sister's asthmatic and she tested positive and they sent her home and, um, you know, nothing, not a word, not a nothing. Like I, and it's just, I don't know. Like, has that ever, like when somebody gets tested for positive for the flu, for example, I don't even know, like, like somebody has the flu and they're given like Tamiflu, right? They're given something. They're saying, or, you know, the doctor would say like, go home and take um, something for a headache or to make a fever break or something, you know, but like literally these people are told nothing. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering if part of the problem of these, and so it, there's probably a spectrum, right? So I'm thinking part of the problem is that these long-term COVID effects um, are because they're getting like zero treatment, um, which, you know, maybe a lot of people don't need any treatment and that's fine. But, you know, anybody that, some people might need at least a little something, you know, and aren't even suggested to take a, a vitamin or two um, yeah. or eat, eat certain types of food or, you know, drink certain types of fluids. But then like, you know, as we saw the ventilator um, disaster as it rolled out, like, you know, anybody who, anybody who survived the death sentence of the ventilator, I imagine they wouldn't have just pristine and perfect lungs after that. And maybe it wasn't necessarily COVID that did that. It was the ventilator that did that. So I'm wondering how much of this is also like potentially iatrogenic. 100%. I would, people can't see it, but I was face palming so hard. I was like hoping it wasn't about just me. Like he doesn't like not like me that much. (laughs) No, you're talking about it's just like so much was. I mean, we've gone from like a twenty to twenty-five percent death rate in the hospitals to a like two to three percent death rate because doctors know what to do now with this stuff and nurses know how to manage it. And the ventilator was like one of the biggest disasters. There's probably tens or hundreds of thousands of people who die that didn't need to die because hospitals got an extra 20 plus thousand dollars to put someone on a ventilator. So it's like there was originally not enough ventilators. And then I actually know one of the biggest manufacturers of ventilators. I was, uh, I'm single now, but I was dating this girl whose dad was like an engineer and produced ventilators. And Mm -hmm. so they got an order from Trump and the government to like make tens of thousands of ventilators and like stepped up and did it and felt like they were helping the country until we awkwardly were like, "Uh uh-oh, that actually might not be the right treatment. Uh And like, we're just praying that the vaccine is not the same type of situation. We're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, like, Uh I feel like there's 2025, there's going to be a billboard that's going to be like, are you one of the fiends of the 2020, 2021 COVID vaccine? You might be liable for a lawyer to basically get you $20,000 in compensation. But the unfortunate part is that can't ever happen. That reality probably would happen, but it can't happen because you, it, because it's an FDA EUA emergency use authorization, like it's never been approved, but it's been authorized. Mm -hmm. There's basically zero liability to this shot. So if you do react to the shot, you have zero ability to sue or get any type of compensation or, you know, boohoo back from the government. Yeah, so really all you can do is maybe 
if you've if you've come to that conclusion that maybe it was related to your shot, you can bitch about it on the internet and only to get censored because you're clearly lying and a bigot <laughs> or something. Yeah, the vaccine reaction page has been deleted now over five times. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I've been I've been texting those guys, um, the guy who's doing it, and like he had to create his own website just because like, and there's going to be less people inherently on a website than there is on the social media, but he had to create his own website because it just kept getting deleted again and again and again and again and again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though he said like he wasn't violating any like laws on the site, but it's just, they came out with something this last week, which is why me and 10 other people, mostly from mm-hmm. Health Freedom for Humanity got censored. And it was all because anything that goes against like pro vaccine policy is now considered harmful misinformation. Even though I'm sort of telling people, like, if you're going to get a vaccine, like the elderly, these other people, like, there's a lot of risk to the vaccine, but it might give your life. But if you're a five-year-old child, there, there isn't anything that the vaccine is really going to do to save your life. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, um, I really hate the, the, the allegation that because we might be talking about negative things that may come from these injections, you know, that all of a sudden we're team doom, we're team apocalypse. And it's like, no, you lockdowners, you branch Covidians, you guys are team doom, you are the apocalyptic squad. So, you know, we're just trying to be team reality and team logic and team reason and team sanity. Yeah. And team, team, we should have all the information that exists before we make decisions. Right. I like that team doom. And yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the audacity that you would be- that you would believe that your body would know how to handle this, you know, the audacity that you just want to make your body healthy, even so that it can fight off a virus. How how dare you try to empower people to actually I... not need the medical system? Yes. Yeah. I know. I mean, that's why I've got my mom actually got in trouble for saying something on Facebook about taking vitamins, getting, getting outside and getting in the sun, getting exercise and just, you know, just trying to be healthy. (laughs) And I've noticed that with older people, you know, my mom is considered a boomer. Um, that generation, they, you tell them to be healthy and take your vitamins exercise. They just are resistant to that whole idea. Um, so I don't know what that is, but that's, you know, I, I just think that's just like something I've noticed. My generation tends to be a lot more open to taking the vitamins and being healthier and just trying to fight off, you know, fight it off naturally. Um, and I was going to ask you too, uh, what, what are, can you explain to our audience what, what the difference is between like the antibody type of like immune immunity and the T cell, because everybody's talking about antibodies and a lot of people are, you know, getting their antibodies tested to see if they have them, but maybe they don't have it, but maybe their T cells have a memory. So, yeah. Yes. Let's talk about that. So, and there's actually a way now anyone in the USA can test their T cells, which is really cool. So the immune system is very complex and everything's connected to everything in your body. They actually call it the psycho neuroimmune system, which we should get back to after this question, which is basically that your beliefs, your psychology and your nervous system can affect your immune system. So if you're like okay. sitting inside, not doing much besides watching TV or zooming all day, 
Mm. Your nervous system weakens, especially if you're not getting sensory feedback or movement, your nervous system weakens, and then your immune system doesn't function very well. But in the actual immune system portion, you have two main systems, the innate and the adaptive. And then the innate is like your initial defenses of your castle. That's like your skin and your barrier system, something called natural killer cells, which sound really cool because they just naturally <laughs> kill everything that's bad for you off. Um, like, like those toxins in the hand sanitizers that got pulled off the market, like the toxins in some of the masks that they were giving to children in Canada that caused cancer that the, then got pulled off the market. Like, luckily, we all are exposed to these things all the time. And these natural killer cells just kill it off or get rid of it. And that's our innate protection, like the moat, like the castle wall, like our skin that just keeps all the bad stuff out um, and doesn't chooses what we want to let in or out of our system. Then you have the second part of the immune system, your adaptive immune system, which is once something gets through, your body chooses to let something through or it decides to penetrate. It's a little more pathogenic. It enters in and penetrates through your initial innate defenses. The adaptive immune system starts to react over a period of days to weeks where you start to build antibodies, where your body starts to basically build these antibodies which help flag the foreign invader, like putting a party hat on all of the CIA <laughs> double agents so that you know who to take out. That's uh -huh. basically what an antibody is. Um, whereas the T cell is your memory to help you remember who the CIA double agents are. And you remember them almost always for life when you have a natural infection. So you have the antibodies, which your body like ramps up after about a week or two. And they usually last for about three to 12 months, sometimes for the rest of your life. Like with mono Epstein-Barr virus, they last your entire life. Okay. And if you have a natural infection, you actually lose antibodies that they have a half-life of three months. So every three months they drop in half for most infections. However, if you ever are exposed or need those antibodies again, your body has a memory and it can recreate antibodies for almost every infection when you're re-exposed or you need that protection again. You need more party hats to flag the new secret double agents. Um, whereas with the what the T cells are, is even though the antibodies go away, the T cell, those memory cells, basically remember what the infection is forever. So it used to be very time consuming and expensive to test your T cells. So only research labs used to do it, but because of how extensive and permeable, permeating COVID has been for our culture and our scientific community, there's luckily a new test that's out there that's 99% effective called T-Detect, t-detect.com. And mm. people can actually order a kit where someone could draw their blood in their house. So they could go to like a lab core and have to get their blood drawn and then find out in a week if they had COVID ever. So if people have ever had COVID, they can find out, because even if they missed that window of opportunity to test for antibodies to see if they had a natural infection, they can find out if they've ever had COVID through their T cells, which is this really great line of defense. The T cells are basically like, if the antibodies are like your ROTC soldiers that just like barely um, know what they're doing, they're new, they're not super good at actually destroying or killing things. They just like flag them for targeting. Yeah. The T cells are like your Navy SEALs or your soldiers that are really, really effective and good and trained and they're with you almost for life. Mm -hmm. And um, they're just much more advanced and that's what you really want. But the whole, everything we've been talking about has been the antibodies. Mm -hmm. 
instead of talking about T cells or the natural killer cells. And the funny thing is the best way to support your initial line of defense, the natural killer cells, is to get 20 minutes or, or more of outdoor movement every day. So locking down, not getting movement is the mm-hmm. best way to catch an infection. Whereas when you get outside and actually move, you're much, much less likely to get any infection of any sort. Yeah. Yeah. And that yep. just makes, that seems like common sense, really. I mean. Again, these are, the radi- these are the radical opinions. I know. It's like crazy, like how it just, how that's become so controversial. Yeah, like there's been a protest in India with millions of people called like the farmers protest in India mm-hmm. this year mm-hmm. where they've been outdoors huddled together in like little, you know, either like makeshift tents or just like sleeping together in the streets, making each other food, not socially distancing, not wearing masks. Millions of people, like zero COVID deaths because they're outdoors, they're getting vitamin D, they're moving, they're like in love and community. They're, they don't have the psychology, like fear mindset because kind of like the BLM protests, like where not a lot of people died. There wasn't like a huge spike after BLM. There wasn't a huge spike in the U.S. of cases after the Sturgis motorcycle rally of half a million people. I think like the mindset matters a lot. The Sturgis motorcycle rally did have some people who caught COVID, um, but for the most part, like these huge rallies or people getting together outdoors doesn't seem to actually impact COVID case numbers nearly as much as staying indoors with COVID. And that could be because yeah. COVID is aerosolized. So it's like getting in the air indoors and you're not getting as much fresh air where like the COVID can kind of escape, kind of like dust. It stays, dust stays a lot more indoors. So it could be, that's why the indoors is much worse, but it could also be because you're not moving, you're not getting sunshine, you're not getting fresh air. And that's not as good for your immune system. Is there also something to just like, cause I know just having I, most of my experiences in nursing has been with um, cancer patients and surgical patients. And I know with surgical patients, it was always like important to get them up and get their lungs expanded. That was a big thing because if they didn't get out of bed and they laid back enough, their, their lungs would start to kind of close up and they were at risk of pneumonia. Is that also part of it too? It's just like, you've got to get that air and expand that alveoli and, you know, open everything up. Yeah, definitely. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. <laughs> just not what, you know, 70 year old men want to hear, but that's exactly <laughs> what they need to hear right now is like, they need to use it or lose it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They got to use their lungs. And if they're not doing, you know, yoga or vinyasa or workouts at home, they're going to start losing some of that lung function and their immune system's ability to react if and when they do get exposed to COVID. I mean, it's it's not like a conspiracy to say that over half of America has had COVID already. I mean, Mm -hmm. based on the case numbers, but also based on the antibody tests that we've had from LA, San Fran, and Chicago, Mm -hmm. and the T-cell testing, it basically shows that the majority of America has already had COVID, which is remarkable, which means we're actually like somewhat closer to a herd immunity than we think. Mm-hmm. So then and these variants, these variants you say are probably weaker, um, maybe more yep. contagious, but less deadly. Would you say? Just yes. Curious. Yep. There's some data where it's like, there was a little bit of early speculation that they were deadly, but it turns out they were just hyper-focusing on the people who were severely sick in the hospital. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like taking your data from a police officer Because police officers, I have an uncle and a best friend who are police officers, and they have the worst 
view of the town because they see the worst of the worst of the worst of that town. They see all the crazies, mm-hmm. they see all the mm-hmm. crime. Whereas like most people in a town never get mugged in that town. Most people never die of a murder in that town. So if all you're focusing on is the intense ER units and hospital wards in New York City at the peak of the pandemic, and that's your emotional memory, and that's who we're interviewing for the news every night is like the people who have the worst possible perspective of what's going on, (laughs) then we're not, it's kind of like, where are you getting your truth or your news or your perspective from? You have to be full, like who you hear it from. So if you're looking at the new variants and you're seeing the worst of the worst of the worst of who's reacting to those new variants, rather than looking at like, look how many people have no problem. You're just Mm -hmm. missing the big picture perspective yet again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Variants is the, uh, just the latest scare tactic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then the fourth or third wave, I think is like the next scare tactic. Well, apparently, apparently we're in the fourth wave right now. So, well, that's just what one of my experts said. And I, kind of took note of that. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Um, but I guess good to know it's now as opposed to later. Um, like <laughs> when they want to, like Ontario, like just, and maybe Quebec too, I'm not sure, not Canadian, um, but they just went back into lockdowns. I think France just went back into lockdowns. Like people are, you know, even just, so thinking about like the way back machine and what we experienced last year, you know, in the beginning, we were all kind of scared and all had questions and we were all just doing a lot of waiting and seeing, right? And, um, but so like from what we waited and saw, you know, the peak seemed to have been falling late March, early April. Um, and I remember April was when the state, my state, Maryland, um, enacted their mask mandates like statewide. And I was like, what? Like, why are you doubling down right now on that? Like, what? Uh, but it's, you know, yeah. just more. Um, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make any sense. And but so many people have adhered to the, the religion of the mask. And it's predictably, exa- you know, the religion of the vaccine. Um, but actually, I feel like the vaccine religion's worse. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, a third of our countries had one vaccine. 20% is now fully vaccinated. Um, but And now the British variant is the majority strain in the U.S. for people who are getting infected. I think because probably most people either didn't catch the first one or mm-hmm. they've already had it. I think probably about 70% of L.A. has already had COVID, um, which is funny because they're one of the most locked down places in, in the country. So um, now the more basically brazil is the next like up and coming variant and basically there's there will be new variants until everybody's just kind of had covid so they have protection but what's funny is like when you look at the places that opened up i remember like texas opened up about one month ago and Uh fauci was like that's a horrible stupid you're gonna you're on team doom You're, you're Neanderthals. You're a team yeah. doom. You don't know what you're doing. You're all a bunch of morons. And yet they're doing better than the places that locked down again. And mm-hmm. he goes, well, I, that's interesting. I don't know why that's happening. Because every single place that opened up, every single place that opened up is doing better than every single place that locked down now. Yeah. Yeah. It's and not hard I'm to curious. Question. I'm curious. Cause um, you live in, you live right outside of Chicago. 
Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, what is the mentality of where you live on all of this? Because I um, used to live in Chicago, and I remember it being pretty, uh, pretty liberal. So, yeah, Chicago itself is like shaking in their boots. They're quivering <laughs> in their skivvies at night. Like they're really freaking scared. Um, it. I think New York City was a lot worse than Chicago. Chicago wasn't too bad relatively. Our hospitals didn't get overwhelmed for very long. Um, they actually did a pretty good job of dealing with the pandemic here, which is great. Um, my mom was like on the COVID hotlines as a nurse. So she was dealing with like all the anxiety and fear people had when they thought they had COVID, when they didn't have COVID or when they did have mm -hmm. COVID and to send them to the hospitals and not and dealing with that. But mm -hmm. the, as soon as you get out of the city into the like initial suburbs, it starts to calm down a little bit, but people are more like rural followers. So they're still following the rules. Mm -hmm. um, but when you get into the non-Caucasian communities, they don't care almost at all, which is fascinating. The African-American community is a little more scared because they're at higher risk. But a lot of the Hispanic communities that I'm a part of, like they're, they sort of see through it and they're just not even concerned. Like it's like nothing is going on there or in the Eastern European places. They're just like not even concerned. And then when you get a little bit farther out into more of the rural mm -hmm. or far suburban places, there's towns like Libertyville where they've been pretty much like open and their mayor the whole time was like, we're just not complying. Like we're not gonna, we're not gonna basically enforce with our police force any of these rules because it just doesn't make sense. And Libertyville has yeah. done better than any other place. Like their businesses stayed open. They mm -hmm. didn't ruin their economy. The people yeah. are happier. The kids are in school. Like it's been awesome. So you see some places that, that never locked down. And people like shame them for not locking down and spreading the virus, but that didn't actually happen. Yeah. And I, the best resources for people with schools when they go like, what about schools and kids and masks and stuff is like Dr. Pamela Popper. So Pam Popper on YouTube has like the best research, a website and all these YouTube videos talking about how schools don't really contribute to the spread of COVID, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good news, right? Again, Super something good. that people were allergic to good news all year you know again that's the that's a symptom of team doom that's the opposite of team doom like team the team reality bear. team reality <laughs> like you know things are rough in the real world too but you know at least um if you you can you're going to be better at handling them and and adapting to them and facing them and conquering them if you're looking at it with like you know a rational rational brain um what's that i mean i don't know it's something <laughs> clear, clearly lost clearly well, lost. we're definitely being told not to think rationally that's for sure uh, actually literally there was an article wasn't like a new york times article that said like don't think critically <laughs> yep. oh my god like, please okay. do not think critically for do yourself do not Just... think critically okay okay do what you're yeah. told yep i mean it couldn't mm -hmm. be more obvious but i guess you know there are still plenty of people to wake up. Mm -hmm. There are yeah. plenty, plenty of, yeah, it's going to be a journey. We're going to have to yeah. basically, I've, I almost opened a school this summer for just like de-traumatizing all the children and helping them basically like realize that they don't need to wear masks and that germs are good for them. And basically like, you know, rewiring their brains to the trauma that they've been through and the, the deconditioning or deprogramming their brains after all this nonsense. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. Yeah, they're yes. definitely um, going to be the most affected by all of this, and it's terrible. But you know, that means we've got our we've got our work cut out for us. Um, we've got our 
children, I don't have children yet, but like the children of the future to raise, make sure this um, doesn't happen again. You know, I know history repeats itself and people fall into the same traps and all the same patterns all the damn time, but yeah, protect the damn children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if like, anything, do it for the kids. Yeah, and let's not, I mean, like, we don't need to vaccinate them because they're not really that high risk. So let's not, let's let them at least, like, just get through this without let's having let to get them stabbed continue with the to needle. develop as humans and, you know, like, yeah. that immune system that is supposed to eventually maybe one day, like, be able to handle things on its own. Like, I don't know. It's just very, seems very counterproductive and almost like a slap in the face to, uh, billions of years of evolution. Yeah. I, mean, I have two kids and they both go to public school and all I've been doing is making sure they get zinc every morning. Cause they won't take, they won't take a kerosetin. I've, I've tried, <laughs> but yeah. they will do the liquid zinc. I put that in their yogurt every morning and none of them have been sick all year this year. Nice. And if any, and they've even had their classes shut down because they're a student in their class got COVID but they never got it. So I'm just saying like there is something to these vitamins, these supplements that are natural occurring that we should be, you know, getting in our diet every day. Yep. And yeah, that's true. get exercise too. <laughs> yeah. There's far more research against vitamins and things that could empower you to be healthy, but that wouldn't go against the traditional team doom narrative of there's nothing you can do, run away, hide in distance yeah. forever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, literally I've heard the words spoken that nobody is immune to COVID-19 and it's like, what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I oh, heard those man. words again from the experts mouths and it's nobody's just like, immune. Nobody is immune to COVID-19. Even though 60, 80% <sighs> of people have pre-existing immune defense. <laughs> like if you just look at the science, like you can't just I, oh, cherry pick I, I, science. But but if you're looking to the CDC for the guidance and for the science that they hand down to you, like that's what's your, that's what you're going to get. And it really is embarrassing. And honestly, like, I really hope people kind of, I'm, I'm here for the realization for you all later, you know, like I might kind of a little bit judge you and cause you're wrong. And I'm <laughs> a little bit of a stickler for like, you know, you should strive for truth and, and correctness and accuracy. I don't know. I think it matters. Um, it doesn't matter. I literally <laughs> have truth tattooed on my chest, like right here. <laughs> I mean, it right matters. There. It matters, even if it's painful, and especially when it's painful, you know? That's how we learn. That's how we move mm -hmm. on, and that's how we always all become better. So, but I'm here for anybody who wants to come to me with the realization that, you know, maybe they ate a little bit too much of the bullshit this year, of all yeah. levels, you know? I mean, but the... I'm never going to see certain people um, admit that they were wrong. <sighs> but anyway. That's like you know. Happy Gilmore when you eat the, you ever see Happy Gilmore when we talk about eating oh. shit? It's like, <laughs> he's like, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. And then he's like, you eat shit for breakfast? You eat, no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. Shooter McGavin. Yep, and that's exactly what's been happening. People have been eating shit for breakfast from yeah, you're gonna be like, their TV or their phones. You eat shit for breakfast? <laughs> yes, yeah, so. No, I, I think it's that's like a you really eat the good media way for your information? Exactly. Yeah, oh no, guys, guys, it's shit. 
It's like eating ble- yeah. a bag of uh, dog shit that's been dropped off on your front porch. Um, with I actually that, made a really flame. good tweet about that um, that I'm proud of. It was a, uh, <laughs> what was it? Like uh, you relying on the media for news or for uh, information is like drinking your own pee to get, stay hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then some people probably thought way too hard about that. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. Um, Brad, are you on Twitter? Uh, Barely. Barely. Yeah. I went on there just to like make a tweet to screenshot it to post to Instagram. Got it. Um, So I know that you've got things in the works now that you've been deleted from, or at least like your Mm -hmm. main page has been deleted from Instagram. So I know you've got some things in the works. And so, you know, I'm, declining in brain function at this hour and i want to make sure you let our listeners know where they can find you as you continue to speak out and it sounds like you're you know joining forces with others and i think you know there's there there's so much hope in seeing that you and more people of your profession speak out yeah um so i did have a backup instagram account luckily that mm-hmm. almost half of my followers were on or like a third were on, which is health assurance movement, like just at health assurance, A-S-S-U-R-A-N-C-E movement. And then there's also a website, healthassurancemovement.org, which is a nonprofit website. And I also just made a um, new account today called Holistic Meme King mm. <laughs> on Instagram. So basically Good. I'm just going to try to, only post funny reels that have nothing that could get censored. So that'll just be like funny entertainment stuff as a way for me to emotionally vent. So all of the COVID or vaccine information I'm going to put on either Telegram or a personal website so that it can't get deleted or blocked. And then mm-hmm. all the subtle stuff or just like positive stuff or funny stuff I'm going to keep on Instagram. So I hopefully don't get deleted again there. Um, yeah. But yeah, healthassurancemovement.org is perfect. And then if they want to follow on Instagram, um, my links are on, on the healthassurancemovement.org. There's also links okay. to YouTube, email list, Telegram, all the other platforms will be on our website. Okay. Have I also have heard? a book too. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I forgot that I wrote a book before all this called Do oh. I Have Adrenal Fatigue? And that's on <laughs> Amazon as an ebook about to come out as a print book on Amazon. We just ran out of hard copies, so we're printing some more. But uh, yeah, Do I Have Adrenal Fatigue? And there's like a free quiz about Mm -hmm. adrenal health on our website too well that's actually good to know all right so i just was making notes of things that you had said because you gave us a lot of good information you gave us the t-detect.com so we can put that in if we want to test our t-cells and then um i also uh i did the youtube for um what was it uh oh gosh pamela popper yeah, Pamela Popper. Um, and then another thing you mentioned that I didn't get a chance to, I, I didn't have, I wasn't fast enough. You mentioned a website where you can get really good information on just data, I guess, from COVID and was it and something death, that they, it, evi- I think it was the death based. of the year or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was um, cebm.net cat elephant boy man.net cebm.net center evidence based medicine.net okay perfect all right so i'm going to make sure we put all that stuff in our show notes awesome 
I'll send you the link to this uh, website too. So you got it. Okay. Thank you. That was good. Much appreciated. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for having me. I know it's yeah. late on a Friday night. We're all partying by venting about <laughs> Team Doom. Hey, you know, we got to let it out somehow. <laughs> true. This is healthier than, uh, you know, overindulging or something. That's true. Yeah, it's yeah. better to talk about it, you know, feel it to heal it rather than drowning your sorrows over alcohol to just numb the feelings. Yeah. yeah. Although alcohol so, is fun, though. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Can be. All right. Well, um, all listeners, thanks um, for checking us out. Um, please go follow Dr. Campbell and all his work. Um, and just, you know, I think um, things that he, drew me to him were the fact that he's promoting, again, like these radical ideas like medical freedom and informed consent and, you know, making your own decisions for your own body. Um, you know, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was all the rage. Um, maybe that was a couple of years ago and, you know, under a different president and, um, you know, when we got to resist or something. But um, anyway, Vixens, uh, you know where to find us. We'll leave our links in the show notes as well. I would suggest everybody kind of start moving to check us out on library or odyssey.com search voluntary vixens um brad i suggest maybe if you want to put some of your videos up there too it seems like it's yeah. going to be a lot harder to censor from that platform um mm -hmm. like even it's like not even as good as like bit shoot um okay. and so uh who knows how long our podcasts like these will be allowed on Apple or on YouTube. And so, I mean, you know, listeners, I don't know if you caught it, um, but I was totally kicked off this, this call, like my computer just spontaneously shut down for a while. So, you know, um, just, you know, something to keep in mind that um, we should probably start finding each other on alternative platforms. So, you know, we'll keep all you posted on anything and any movements we make. Um, you know, I definitely advise everybody listening to um, follow Brad. And, you know, everybody stay sane, keep it peaceful. And most importantly, we'll keep it voluntary.